My name is Chloe Moon, and the topic of my podcast is on the women's rights movement and how women and male supporters overcame these difficult obstacles to gain voting rights. This podcast will give you an inside view of how women started off being completely powerless and had no rights to not being able to vote, have jobs, and how they overcame their reputation of being only a housewife. My location is Spoon River Valley High School. The women's rights movement started in 1848 and then until 1920. The first gathering devoted to women's rights in the United States was held July 1848 on the 19th to the 20th in Seneca Falls, New York. The organizers were Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who was a mother of four, and Lucretta Mott, who was a Quaker and Bolshevist. Nearly 100 people attended the gathering, two-thirds were women. Stanton drafted a declaration of sentiments, grievances, and resolutions in which he argued that all men and women are created equal so that they should be treated as equal. Some women activists argued that there were social and institutional issues that limited women's rights, including repelling reputation and family responsibilities, lack of education and economic opportunities, and not having a voice in political debates. Women were forced to stay at home and take care of their children in the house while their husband worked. Because of the standard, women had no need to have an education because there would be no use for it. Many women wanted a job for a more stable income but were rejected because that was a man's job. In 1850, Anthony forged a lifetime alliance as a women's rights activist. For most of the 1850s, they fought against the denial of freedom to women. Later on throughout their alliance, they unsuccessfully lobbied Congress to include women in the provisions of the 14th and 15th Amendment, which extended citizens' rights and voting rights to African-American men. In 1869, Stanton and Anthony created the National Women's Suffrage Association, or known as NWSA, which was created to change the federal law and to change the 15th Amendment. Lucy Stone, who is a one-time Massachusetts anti-slavery advocate and an important lobbyist for women's rights, formed the American Women's Suffrage Association, or known as AWSA. In the late 1880s, the two wings of the women's rights movement struggled to stay alive and thriving. The AWSA had better funding and was larger than the NWSA, but AWSA only had a regional reach. NWSA was based in New York and drew recruits from all over the nation on the basis of the extensive speaking circuits of Stanton and Anthony. The issue, though, was that neither group got support from mint politicians or voters to adopt the cause. According to History, Art, and Archives, United States House of Representatives, Susan Anthony and Ida H. Harper co-wrote in The Difference and then Heritage, The Apathy of Women, lies the great obstacle to their enfranchisement. The historian Nancy Wallach specializes in women's history, describes suffrage efforts as a crusade of political education by women and for women, and for most of its existence, a crusade in search of a constituency. In the late 1880s and early 1890s, the nation experienced a surge in volunteerism of middle-class women. Women started participating in women's clubs and professional societies, also participants in local civic and charity organizations. This helped show that they were determined to expand their circle of activities and help legitimize the suffrage movement. This new tendency and activities provided new momentum for the NWSA and the AWSA. In 1890, the two groups reunited to form the National American Women's Suffrage Association, or known as AWSA. To capitalize on their new constituency, NAWSA was originally led by Stanton and then by Anthony. 
NAWSA began to draw support from women activists in diverse organizations, such as Women's Trade Union League, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, and the National Consumers League. For the next two decades, the NAWSA worked as a nonpartisan organization that's main focus was on gaining voting rights for women in more states. The first state to grant complete voting rights to women was Wyoming in 1869. Later, Colorado granted rights in 1893, then Utah in 1896, and Idaho in 1896 followed. It was shown that the majority of the states that granted voting rights to women were western states. It was proven that they gave these rights to women, hoping that it would bring more people to the western states to gain population, not because they truly supported women. It was also believed that western women organized themselves better and therefore earned the right to vote. In conclusion, we have overcame many obstacles throughout history, and we still have many to overcome. We have earned many privileges and rights, but still faced sexism and standards towards women. Some of these obstacles that we have over we have overcame still linger. In the next podcast, you will learn how sexism restricts women from jobs or their way of living.